And we are live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I know what you're wondering. Is Valeria back today? Sadly, no, she's not. She's working again, which is obviously frustrating. I do apologize. Uh, so, um, as this is the least professional show on YouTube, uh, I have to advertise the show now because normally I do this before I go live, but I didn't. <laughs> so I have to post this little thing on the YouTube. Let me see here. Switch account. Go to Mr. Reagan. Go to my channel. This is lots of fun, guys. Behind the scenes, right? <laughs> All right. Paste that. Live now. Oop. Come on. Hold on. I'll get this. There we go. Copy that. Let's go up here. Paste that. Post. Boom. Done. I am advertising the show now on my Mr. Reagan channel. All right. Let's go ahead and close this moment please all right and now we can start the show like normal uh like i said we are the least professional show on the youtube um jesus is god says hello i'm driving so i can't watch tonight have fun i'll watch later god bless well god bless you as well madam uh and uh and that's all right that's all right drive safe yes as uh, the big bigfoot the chipmunk has said uh, drive safe for sure um all right so there's a lot of crazy stories today. I mean, legit crazy. We are spiraling ever faster into 1984. It's so funny that he chose 1984 as the date that the world goes to hell. It actually is 2021. He was he was a long way off. And if you think about it, 2024 will be the next election. So if that election is in any way doctored, let's say and Biden wins again, or Kamala Harris, or whoever's running, and, you know, the Democrats want to place in charge, and if it becomes a clear fascist dystopia, then that, that will be exactly, what, exactly 40 years, exactly 40 years after, uh, uh, who wrote, who wrote 1984? Anyway, whatever the guy's name is, <laughs> after he predicted uh, that this would all happen. How do I not remember that name? I'm very bad at remembering names and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's actually a serious problem. It may be my vitamin D deficiency, which I have been clinically diagnosed with. So, uh, so that may be the reason I don't remember names very well. Um, anyway, let's move on. So, uh, the news, the news. We have some we have some fascinating news. Let me let me go move over to my to my little notes here and we'll start because Valeria's not here so I have to read everything myself. It's so sad, so sad. Uh all right, I'm going to switch to this view. Let's see here. So, story number 1. Black Lives Matter is banned from the Olympics. <laughs> I love this. I love this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to celebrate. I shouldn't be celebrating this. And I'll tell you why I shouldn't be celebrating this. I shouldn't be celebrating this because I am for free speech. I think everybody should be able to say whatever they want on any platform, Twitter, Facebook, the Olympics, whatever. But the problem with the Olympics in particular, and, and I'm really sick of athletes trying to inject some kind of virtue signaling message 
during sporting events. And the reason the reason I, I have a problem with this isn't because... Like, I actually support Kaepernick. A lot of people might think that's crazy, but I support Kaepernick's right to kneel during the... Uh, during the um, national anthem, which which I don't agree with him at all. I don't agree with him at all. I think he's an idiot. But um, he has the right to express himself in that way. It, it, was, it was a simple way of expressing himself. He wasn't making a huge fuss. I think it was fine. A lot of people think that that's the reason he's not working with the NFL anymore. Like he's, you know, he's... But I, I think the reason for that is just he's not that great of a player. He, I think he... He's writing on the notoriety that he got from the kneeling controversy. Um, But the thing is, I think he should be able to kneel. Um, Now, that said, that said, with regard to the Olympics, with regard to the Olympics, let's have a look here at the, uh, at the, uh, what we're looking at. This is an article in Breitbart. With regard to the Olympics, here's what I think about it. Oh, shoot. Hopefully I'm. Am I broadcasting audio? Yes, I am. Everybody cool? Everybody cool? All right. With regard to the Olympics, Olympics, the Olympics is an international sporting event, well, series of sporting events, that it would, like, could you imagine every single country in the world airing their political grievances at the Olympics every year? Okay, so like the one one thing that I definitely think should be able to be censored, one kind of speech that should be able to be censored, is speech that silences other people, right? Um, clearly silences other people, and that's its intention, right? So like, um, you know, you see video. There's a famous video of Jordan Peterson trying to uh, explain something, um, speak. I think it was on his college campus, and some you know, some kind of activist types that didn't like him came out with, like, a bullhorn, and they just kept blaring the siren. It was like an air horn or something. They kept blaring the siren so that uh, and blasting music and stuff like that so that nobody could hear Jordan Peterson. And so I, I don't agree with that as a form of speech. I don't think silencing one person's speech is an acceptable form of your speech, right? Um, it's sort of like saying, well, I have a... Uh, I have a problem with the murder of animals, and so I'm going to murder children so that people understand my uh, problem with murdering animals, right? Certainly, it's an effective message, right? Murdering children would certainly get attention. Um, Certainly, murdering children would uh, get people to pay attention to what you're saying, and they would clearly hear what you're saying, and the message would be clear, right? Especially if this is combined with other kind of messaging. So, from an advertising standpoint, brilliant. Uh, but obviously, we can't allow people to be murdering children as a form of expression, right? As a form of speech. Uh, and in the same way, I think that curtailing someone else's freedom of speech is something that we need to we need to uh, say. Well, that actually is that's a problem, right? That's not that's not acceptable. That's illegal. You can't silence other people's speech uh, as a method of speaking yourself. Um, my buddy's writing me because I told him to jump into crypto. Uh, so right now we had a, have a dip in Dogecoin. I know I like to update you guys on my Dogecoin investments. Um, and so I told my buddy, you should jump in now if you haven't yet, um, because there's quite, there's a bit of a dip at the moment. So if you guys are interested in jumping into that, you know, feel free. Again, don't do it with money you're not afraid to lose because it is a risky kind of a thing. Um, but I think it will go up probably somewhere to like 80, 90, something like that. But uh, 
I would say jump out before Saturday because Elon Musk is supposed to go on Saturday Night Live and talk about Doge. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But I think there's going to be a dip on Saturday. Not 100% sure, but that's my guess. Um, again, I'm not a I'm not a genius in any of this kind of stuff. These are just my this is just my like wild speculation. All right, let's get back to the story. So, what does silencing other people's speech have to do with banning political speech at the Olympics? So, um, one way to silence speech, right? One way to silence speech is to, for instance, if you went to my comment section, for instance, and you just wrote X. Enter X, enter X, enter X, enter X, enter, and just wrote X, 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 X throughout the thing. Um, you would essentially clog up the the uh, the chat room, and a lot of people who wanted to express themselves would not be able to express themselves. Oh, good lord! Oh, there we go. My uh, air came. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but it's very distracting to me. So I'm going to turn it off. Um, off, damn you. Okay. And and that's something that right, and that's a that's a that's a technique that some people use to silence speech. Now, I think that if you were trying to express yourself at the Olympics politically, you may not be intending to silence anyone else's speech. You may not be trying to um Trying, trying to stop other people from expressing themselves. But that may be the effect. And the reason I say that is because there's just so many people from so many different countries. Um, and all of those people have different political views. You know, I think people probably from Venezuela may want to speak up against their government. Uh, people from China may want to express some kind of an idea about their the politics of their country, etc., etc., etc. So you can, en- you, you, you can end up getting a lot of propaganda from the government, or you could get speech against various governments or um, against, against different factions within your country, and it all becomes this sort of convoluted mess eventually. If, if, if the Olympics eventually becomes simply a platform people, for people to express political views, then you lose what the Olympics is, which is just, you know, a, a series of events showcasing human achievement uh, in, in, you know, physical prowess, the, the, the top the best possible um okay so people are people are texting me about irrelevant things i thought maybe it was about the show it wasn't um we want to keep it about that we want to keep it about the athleticism of these amazing athletes and we don't want to overshadow that with a million different political messages now if this was something that was held by um an event that was held by the americans but by us in our country every single year then I would say, okay, well, this is this is not appropriate. We sh- we need to allow political speech at this event, but it's not something that's held by Americans, and and not every country has free speech laws like we do, and you know, again, like I said, it's something that's it's it's something that's supposed to bring people together, not divide people, and political messaging at an event like this, I think, could could have that effect eventually. Now, it. If the Olympics were a venue um, that was like the best place to express your political ideas, right? Like if if throughout the world there weren't other avenues to express political ideas, I would actually say that we should fight for the ability to to express themselves for, for for athletes to express their political views at the Olympics. But because we have the internet now, I think it's um, 
I think it becomes redundant, right? You don't need to have political, uh, you don't need to have political messages at the Olympics because you have so many other avenues to express yourself. Any one of these a- a- athletes can gain a platform using the Olympics online and then use that platform to express themselves, express political views. So that way, I think um, it can be useful. Um, I think this, the Olympic Committee has also said that you are perfectly free to express your political beliefs anywhere except actually at the Olympic ceremonies. Those are the only places that, places that it's not allowed, which I like because I, don't, I just don't think it should become a platform for political messaging. Um, and I especially like it because this is the first time I've ever seen anyone say that Black Lives Matter is not welcome here. And so that's that's the real that's the real uh, I think win that we have here. I mean, how brave is the Olympic Committee to say no Black Lives Matter uh, allowed? Like that's crazy to me. I that that's just crazy because Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. I don't care what anybody says about that being like hate speech or bigoted or whatever. No, no, no. They burn down buildings. They kill people. It's a terrorist organization, right? They're trying to instill fear into the populace in order for this guy's got to stop testing me all right i'm live on uh streaming streaming i'm live streaming i'll say that okay stop bothering me (laughs) uh all right well let's read this article that breitbart has has here Okay, Olympic athletes will not be allowed to wear Black Lives Matter apparel during ceremonies at the upcoming Tokyo Olympic Games, according to new rules posted by the International Olympics Committee, the IOC. The IOC revealed its new policy changes last month, noting that no political demonstrations will be allowed on the field of play. And IOC officials... Okay, so not on the field of play and not at the ceremonies, right? Um, And IOC officials have since confirmed the rules, also ban any use of Black Lives Matter imagery, logos... Okay, he's still texting me. What the hell? (laughs) Logos, apparel, slogans, activism, uh, and activism, according to TMZ Sports. Athletes uh, will also be barred from political activism. And hold on a second, guys. What is going on here? There we go. Okay. Uh, Okay. Olympians are not banned from all activism, however. Contestants. Contestants? Competitors? I don't think contestants is a good... They're not on a game show. (laughs) competitors, I'll just add that, a little bit of editorial license there, competitors will uh, be allowed to use BLM slogans during team meetings, interviews, and press conferences. Um, The IOC claimed that its prohibitions on athlete activism came after a poll found that the majority of the 3,500 athletes polled favored the ban. Because, again, like, this this is a case of, like, a small number of activists spoiling things for everyone, right? It's like I, I said, that troll in the comment section writing X, enter, X, enter, X, enter, X, enter, just trying to, trying to uh, uh, clog up the chat with, you know, blocking other people from speaking. Um, if you eclipse the messaging of the Olympic Games, which is, you know, like I said, the amazing ability of these athletes... Um, with this Black Lives Matter messaging, then you change the Olympics into something that I don't think the Olympic Committee wants. I don't think anybody wants. I don't think any of it. You're doing a disservice to the other athletes, right? We're trying to showcase uh, the ability of these people, the training that they've done for years of their life. Uh, they've invested lots and lots of money, lots and lots of time. Um, they are peak athletes, and you are you are casting a shadow over them with some political speech that 
we've been getting this political speech from every angle for the past year at least and years before that they just maybe just didn't call it blm before that um and so it's it's not necessary that 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 be present there at the olympics you know leave the olympics out of politics i think that's actually fine and again like i said it's an international thing so it's not like we're trying to protect the rights of americans free speech we're you know we're just trying to make this uh game free of controversy which i i i I totally appreciate that i think that in another circumstance i actually would be against this if this were something to do with human rights or something like that now um you know if if that there was a huge human rights crisis around the world now that that's that i think would probably be the blm argument that it's a human rights crisis and therefore uh it's cruel not to bring attention to it um and that's why all these stupid companies like nike and crap are like oh yeah we love blm we love blm yeah yeah yeah. stop police killing unarmed black men um but all of these people should know if they do any research into it at all that it's based on a lie right all of the statistics that blm puts out they're lies right they're they're they are manipulations of statistics to make it look like black people are, you know, dying, um, you know, disproportionately at the hands of police. They're not. Okay, they're not. We all know that, obviously. Um, let's have a look here. A very clear majority of the athletes said that they think it's not appropriate to demonstrate or express their views on the field of play uh, at the official ceremonies or at the podium, said the IOC Athletes Commission. Uh, Chief uh, Kirsty Coventry. That's kind of a nice name. I don't know why I like Coventry. That's part of, uh, that's a place in England, Coventry. That's right, yeah. Um, So our recommendation is to preserve the podium, field of play, and official ceremonies from any kind of protests or demonstrations or acts perceived as such, Coventry added. One thing the IOC did not clear up is possible punishments for violating the ban on activism. Punishment, the IOC said, will be determined on a case-by-case basis. Capital punishment, I imagine, is the consequence, right? They'll be put to death. That's the only... (laughs) That's the only... Firing squad, maybe? Lethal injection? I don't care. <laughs> That's a joke, obviously. All right. Uh, that is it for that one. I'm curious what you guys have to say about that. Please leave your questions and comments for the end of the show because I can't look at them at the moment, right? Um, but if you do have a question, do you have a comment, maybe write it on a piece of paper and then throw it into a super chat at the end of the show or just write at toxic space masculinity and I'll see it and I'll, uh, I'll respond to it. Um, but, uh, please leave your questions and comments till the end of the show. And I will respond to as many of them as I can. Um, but yeah, hopefully some of you guys have, um, some kind of passionate response about this. Uh, it, it seems like something that, uh, is controversial because like I said, I'm not, uh, I'm not for banning speech, but in this particular case, I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing. Okay. So let's move on. Shall we? Next story. Okay. Let me see what this guy's writing me. Okay. Oh, oh, he's he's writing about the show now. So my buddy Kurt has written, the Olympics don't want to color ratings. I think he meant, uh, I think he means like the Oscars have. Uh, I, and I don't think he means color. I think he messed that up. Kurt, if you're going to write me something on the show, spell things correctly. What What is that? Do a little bit of an edit. Um, and then he writes, stupidity knows no borders. <laughs> That was spelled correctly. I appreciate that. Um, All right. So let's move on to the next story. Story number two. This is pretty annoying. The second story is pretty annoying. Twitter suspends from the desk of Donald J. Trump Twitter account. 
All right, now let's have a look at this story. This is this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Okay, so as you guys know, because I reported it the other day, um, Donald Trump, having been banned from all social media, has started his own webpage where he just posts tweets, essentially. But they're not tweets. They're just messages that go out over email, I think, for the most part. I haven't signed up for it myself, but I should probably do that. Um, emails that say, like, what his thoughts are during the day, right? And I'm sure that um, <laughs> I'm sure that uh, there's lots of people who read those tweets. Lots, lots of people get those emails, and there's lots of people who want to get those in an easy, digestible way over Twitter. And so another account came along. Somebody came along, and they made an account, and they started posting Trump's tweets from his from the desk of Donald Trump account. And Twitter was like, "Oh no, no, no." Oh, no, no, no. You're... Sorry, hold on. There we go. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed even to tweet something that Donald Trump has said on his, on his own website. You're not allowed to tweet that out. So apparently now we're not allowed to restate something that Donald Trump has said anywhere in the world. If Donald Trump says something, we're not allowed to quote him on Twitter now or we'll get our account banned. That's what Twitter's telling us. This is insane. This is insane. Okay, let me read this story. Twitter suspends Trump, Trump, uh, tr uh, sorry, Trump from the desk account despite no link to the Trump team. So the Trump team didn't make this account, by the way. This is a random person thought, oh, I'm going to upload these quasi-tweets from Trump, even though they're not tweets. I'll make them into tweets, and I'll post it, and then we'll have a from the desk. And essentially, it's a sort of conduit from Trump through this third party onto Twitter. They're posting this because people want to read stuff from Donald Trump. There is a demand for this. And Twitter's saying, no, he's too dangerous. He's going to incite a, uh, uh, an armed insurrection. Of course, we know that's all bullshit. Excuse my language at this point. I mean, it just pisses me off so much. The armed insurrection thing is the most unbelievable bullshit conspiracy theory that the left has come out with so far. And they've come out with a, a lot the Russia thing, I think, was the most um, damaging to the country, right? Because I mean, spend, they spent so much money doing the investigation. It was all predicated on lies. I mean, it was just unbelievably damaging. Um, I think that the Ukraine one was also incredibly damaging, especially because they just basically covered up all the bad stuff that, that Joe Biden did from Democrat voters. They didn't, I mean... Republican voters, if you're paying attention, we all know what, what happened with China, with uh, with Ukraine and all this kind of stuff. And his, all of his family members essentially are in on this job of, oh, let's get rich off of Joe Biden's name. You know, he's the vice president back during the Obama administration. Um, I think it's it's like Democrats are just so greedy and ambitious. They just will do anything. You know, they're, just, they're all a bunch of criminals. They don't care. They don't care to follow the law. They don't care what the people want. They just want to get into power, and they don't care how they do it. And they will lie. It doesn't really matter. Doesn't not, Ethics are out the window with them. Um, and the media, for some reason, goes along with that. I don't even really understand that, because the media is not really getting that much out of it. Um, I would like to look into that, actually. The response that I've gotten, I, I talked to Gorka about this, and his position was that the media are true believers. They really believe in the progressive movement. And so it doesn't really matter if Nancy Pelosi's a criminal or Biden's a criminal. If these guys can help push the progressive uh, policies, 
they're good and we need to help them, right? And so the Democrats just carry water for these guys. I mean, the Democrats, the, the media just carries water for these guys. Uh, even though they know what they're doing is wrong. What they, they know what they're doing is unethical. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because they're helping to push the progressive agenda and they really believe in it. Um, but it's just amazing to me how far they'll go. I mean, how criminal they'll go, how unethical they'll go. Let's go ahead and read some of this story. An account pulled from Twitter uh, for appearing to belong to former President Donald Trump's newly launched communications platform was not created by the ex-commander-in-chief's team, the Post has learned. The 45th president uh, on Tuesday revealed his new website from the desk of Donald J. Trump, which allows him to provide his thoughts in Twitter-style posts that can then be shared on social media sites from which he has been banned. The site is meant to serve as a place to speak freely and safely, a statement from Team Trump said. The, the team is working on developing the case further to give him the ability to communicate directly with his followers. An account appearing to belong to the former uh, president's new platform at DJT Desk emerged on the social social media site shortly after, but a source close to the uh, to Team Trump told the Post that the account was not created by anyone on the on President Trump's team. Still, by Wednesday evening, Twitter had suspended the account. Reached for comment by the Post, including questions on the validity of the account, Twitter stood by the decision despite the identity of the user remaining unknown, seemingly not connected to the former president. As stated in our ban evasion policy, we'll take. Enforcement action on accounts whose uh, apparent intent is to replace or promote content affiliated with the suspect, uh, the suspended account, uh, a Twitter spokesman said. Um, so their position is like, if we if we kick you off our platform and you try to create a new account and and post the same kinds of stuff you were posting before, we'll we'll delete that account too. That account will also be banned. Okay, but. If I want to post stuff from Donald Trump, does that mean I'll get banned because I think that what he says is valuable? I mean, do I have to provide context? Do I have to provide my opinion with it? I don't know. What what exactly are the rules here? Because I would like to, I think, sometimes post things from the desk of Donald Trump and talk about them. Am I not allowed to do that, Twitter? Are you just like, because this is news. This is news. When Donald Trump says anything, it's news, Okay. Because not only is he a former president of the United States of America, he's one of the most popular presidents in history, right? He is beloved by his supporters. A lot of people listen to what he says. A lot of people are interested in what he says. And we have to analyze what he says, and we have to talk about it, and we have to express our opinions on it, right? That's what political analysts do. That's what political pundits do. That's what political reporters do. And if we're not allowed to... Because uh, the thing is, I'm sure if... New York Times wanted to criticize Trump and they wanted to post one of from the desk of Donald J. Trump's little messages on Twitter and criticize it. I'm sure you wouldn't ban the New York Times, would you? Okay, so we've got to be able to see what he's saying. We've got to be able to respond to it. If you want to ban him, obviously I don't agree with that. I think that's unethical. But then to ban anyone else who posts anything that he says, that's insane. That is insane. And maybe what they're saying is it's like, if we think that the primary purpose of the account, which it kind of looks like it's possible that that's what they're saying here, um, I would say that that is minutely more reasonable, like ever so slightly more reasonable. But let's have a look here. So he says, uh, it says, um, we'll take enforcement action on accounts whose apparent intent, apparent intent 
is to replace or promote content affiliated with a suspended account. So I don't know if that means primary intent, because like, what if I want to comment on something that Donald J. Trump says, but I also have the intent of making sure that people get to hear what Donald Trump says. Do I then get banned? Because I think that people should be able to hear what Donald Trump says. And Twitter disagrees with me. They, Twitter doesn't think people should hear anything that Donald Trump says because he's so dangerous. Do I then get banned? I don't understand. And how do you know what's in my mind? Right? Like, what if I have no intention for people to hear what Donald Trump has to say, but rather I want to express my own thoughts and I need people to hear what he has to say as context? Right? What, what if that's true? Right? And, but you guys just misinterpret it and you think that my intent is to get people to hear what Donald Trump has to say. Like, does it, like, does that matter? Like, how does that work? So you can see how a lot of this is just based on the whim, the whims of, of, of Twitter. Twitter can just basically do what they want. And this has always been the problem. I've got a bunch of videos about Twitter and how they take action against conservatives and they don't take action against Democrats who do far worse things, far worse things. Um, they, they, in fact, they promote Democrats who do far worse things. Um, consider Maxine Waters. She's, she's basically called for violence many, many times. Has she ever been moved off Twitter? No. Donald Trump never called for violence. In fact, he's called for peace many, many times. And Twitter says, oh, but we interpret what he said as a call for violence because that's what we think because Trump is bad. And banned, right? It's ridiculous. Um, the platform permanently banned the then... Okay, we know that he, they banned it. Okay, we don't need to read the whole story. Oh, there's a picture of Jack Dorsey. What a douchebag. All right, moving on. New story. This is from the Wall Street Journal. All right, let me go ahead and look at what I have written here as my headline. My headline says, On National Prayer Day, Joe Biden talks about race and climate, but not God. Apparently, he didn't even mention God once on National Prayer Day, but he talked about race and climate change, um, which is, of course, what the left is wont to do. Let's see here. Biden fails to mention God on the National uh, day of Prayer Proclamation. Uh, Joe Biden released a proclamation in honor of Thursday's celebration of the National Day of Prayer in which he failed to mention God. Instead, the president mentioned racial injustice. You know, Joe Biden may have released a proclamation, but he certainly didn't write the proclamation. I don't know who wrote it, but whoever wrote it is a degenerate. Okay. Instead, the president mentioned racial injustice, or whoever wrote it mentioned that, um, and racial justice and included a reference to climate change concerning racial injustice. Biden's proclamation, Biden's handler's proclamation stated prayer has nourished countless souls and, and powered moral movements, including essential fights against racial injustice, child labor and infringement on the rights of disabled Americans. Okay, whatever. This is ridiculous. The president later talked about con the president, whoever wrote this, later talked about confronting the crises and challenges of our time from a deadly pandemic to the loss of lives and livelihood in its wake to a reckoning on racial justice and the existential threat of climate change. Give me a break. This guy, David Brody, noticed, um, doesn't even mention God once. How do you release a proclamation about prayer and not mention God at all? Uh, of course, it mentions climate change and racial justice. Truly, is pathetic and not surprising. So I guess this is the guy that really, you know, first... Notice this. Um, as of Thursday afternoon, the president had not yet mentioned the National Day of Prayer on Twitter. On Wednesday, Biden found time to highlight Cinco de Mayo amid a still raging immigration crisis at the U.S.-Mexican border. I'll be honest, I don't really know what Cinco de Mayo is. 
I think it's Mexican Independence Day or something like that, right? Um, it's funny that we celebrate it here in America. I think the reason we celebrate Cinco de Mayo is because um, people like to drink. <laughs> it's an excuse to drink. Because the funny thing about, like, I understand St. Patrick's Day in America, right? Because St. Patrick's Day is a very much a cultural, culturally specific um, holiday. Um, and and I, you could make the same argument for Oktoberfest, because both of those holidays are... There's a huge percentage of the population that is um, Irish, and there's a huge population that is German. So if you've got a portion of the population that's Irish and they're celebrating St. Patrick's Day, and they invite their friends who are Italian or German or English or whatever, then everybody starts to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, and over the years it becomes a big thing. I don't think Cinco de Mayo was a big thing until fairly recently, in the past, I don't know, 10, 20 years, something like that. Um, and I don't. And most of the people I see celebrating Cinco de Mayo are not Mexican. They're like white people, and there's like no Mexican people to be seen for miles, right? They're just drinking. <laughs> so I think Cinco de Mayo is essentially really nothing to do with Mexican independence anymore. It's to do with drinking. I think that's it's just an excuse to drink. But that said, I think Oktoberfest is kind of similar because I am German and I like to go to Oktoberfest. We have a big Oktoberfest festival in um, Oktoberfest festival. That's a little redundant. Uh, in Oregon, and I've been to that a couple of times, and that's quite a bit of fun. Um... And I'm not really sure how that emerged because I don't remember that as a, when I was a kid. I don't remember Oktoberfest being a big thing when I was a kid. That's kind of emerged more recently as well. So I don't think that's been a part of the American tradition like St. Patrick's Day. So I will say that I think probably Oktoberfest is something similar. Like Oktoberfest is like has become a big deal in more recently. I think because people like to drink and they want an excuse. Uh, that's my guess. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe maybe it was it was always big, maybe in the Midwest, where there was a lot of Germans, right? That's where my ancestors first came before we moved to the West Coast. Um, completely irrelevant to this story, but yeah, they brought it up, so I thought I'd talk about it. Um, Todd Starnes uh, has written, regardless... All right, gosh, I'm being texted like crazy. What, what do you guys want? What do you want? What do you want? Uh... Okay. You, pointless text. Pointless text. All right. Regardless of Biden's godless National Day of Prayer proclamation, the problem with the Democrats is that they don't believe that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. They believe that we are endowed by the government. Oh, Todd Starnes? Starnes? Must be Todd Starnes. Todd Starnes, you are so right. You are so right. Um, look, the Democrat Party is the party of atheism. Um now, if you're an atheist and you're a conservative, you know what? Like, I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, but we we agree on a lot, okay? And, like, um, you know, I'm friends with uh, Carl Benjamin, you know, Sargon of Akkad. Uh, I mean, we're not, like, super close or anything. I'm, I'm not trying to name drop here, but I'm just trying to point, point something out. It's like, Carl Benjamin is an, is an atheist, uh, I, I used to listen to Sargon of Akkad uh, videos, and uh, I like what he has to say. I don't like what he has to say about Christianity a lot of the time. I don't agree with him on that stuff. Um, but I do, I do respect a lot of what he says, because a lot of what he says makes sense. Now, there's something that I always thought was weird when I was a kid, is that like atheists, when I was younger, atheists were always Democrats. 
always Democrats. I never met an atheist that wasn't a Democrat. And they were incredibly hostile to conservatives, incredibly hostile to Christians. Um, and then Jordan Peterson came along. And Jordan Peterson kind of presented the argument that traditional values don't necessarily need to be um, associated with the supernatural, right, to be, to be respected. You can have traditional values, or you can respect traditional values, and you can, you can, and you can ignore the spiritual side of Christianity. You can say, okay, Christianity, maybe there is no God, maybe there's no, you know, maybe Jesus was not the son of God, maybe all the Christian traditions are not, uh, um, are not realistic or sensible, but the Christian ethic is, right? The Christian philosophy is, the, the ethics and the principles are valuable. And the, and the reason, you know, Jordan Peterson has a whole system of ideas, philosophies, that if you pay attention to it, it's sort of um, explains why Christian ethics makes sense in our world and it, regardless of whether or not there's a God, right? And when I was a kid, and here's the funny thing about that. When I was a kid, and, you know, when you're like a teenager, you kind of have to make a decision at some point. Like, am I going to accept the religion of my ancestors, or am I going to reject that because of evolution and science and whatever? Or am I going to join another religion, or how am I going to look at the world? And so I, I would pray about this sort of thing fairly frequently, and I I would read the Bible, and I would read about religion, and I would try to get a sense of it for myself so that I wouldn't simply be somebody who was just believing something because his parents did or whatever. You know, I wanted a, I wanted a, a, um, I wanted a substantive foundation for whatever it is that I ended up believing. And so I looked into this a lot, and I thought about this stuff a lot, and I prayed about this stuff a lot. And um, what I ended up concluding, especially through, through reading the Bible, through reading the Bible, through prayer, um, and this sort of thing, I, I was able to, to um, develop an, uh, a sort of a perception about Christianity, which is, that, which is the same thing that Jordan Peterson teaches, essentially, which is that even if you're not a Christian, Christian teachings are super valuable. Super valuable. Like a lot of the stuff in the Bible, if you follow it, it will make your life better, right? It will. And so this idea that, oh, well, let's just throw away Christian, you know, ideas because I don't believe in the Christian God. I think that that's like a, a mythical story and I don't think it's real. That's a huge mistake, right? And I was trying to figure out, even as a kid, even as a teenager, I was trying to figure out, how do you convince people to respect traditional values if they don't believe in God, right? And Jordan Peterson was able to actually kind of do that, which I thought was fantastic. And so since the emergence of Jordan Peterson, and maybe a little bit before with like Douglas Murray and people like that as well, there has been more of a shift by some atheists to recognize the value of some traditional ideas and also of just conservative political ideas. And so you do have a lot of atheists now sharing the views of, of Christians uh, in, in terms of politics. But the Republican Party and the conservative uh, political philosophy here in America is still based on Christian values, Christian ethics. 
And what we see, and atheists who are conservatives might uh, find this offensive, but this is true. I think this is totally true. The left, the left's um, philosophy is all based on a lack of Christian principles, right? I, I might say. I, th I would say that it's more than just like based on atheist principles, because what, what are atheist principles? I mean, I guess just whatever you want, really. Um, there, there is no like sort of book of atheism. It's just, a, it's just a lack of belief in Christian ideas. But I, I, so I would go further than that. I would say it's a rejection of Christian values. The, left, the left's point of view, the Democrat Party, their political philosophy is based on a rejection of Christian values. There is one Christian value that has been adopted by the left and then distorted, um, and then they use that basically to justify everything. And that particular Christian value is uh, love your enemy, right? Love your enemy. And so the, the idea of love your enemy, I think, I think can be interpreted as love someone who is not necessarily um, somebody that you would trust or, or, or love based on some kind of familial relationship, right? So, like, nat naturally, most people will love their family. Naturally, most people will love their friends. Naturally, many people will love their neighbors and the people in their town and that sort of thing. But then when you go beyond that to the next town, to the next village, when you go to the next country, when you go to the next race, when you go to the next um, culture, when you go to the next continent, you know, uh, the next civilization... Well, then you start to have the fear of the other, right? The fear of the other. And we don't get that quite as much anymore in modern times because the world has shrunk so much in terms of, you know, you can go anywhere, you can experience anything, you can watch TV, you can get a sense of what it's like in Thailand or whatever. So we don't fear the other as much as we used to in the olden days. But this concept of the enemy, I think is, I think can very easily be interpreted as the other as well those who you find to be scary or different or, or not part of your group um, because like every other tribe would be to some degree an enemy um, you, you would have to think that in the in, in ancient times in order to keep your people safe and so I think in ancient times the concept of the enemy and, and the concept of the other were to some degree interchangeable and and because of that I often say you know that the Bible actually encourages people not to be racist, right? And and obviously it was like Northern European Christians who uh, abolished uh, slavery, um, you know, in, in Northern Europe and in, and in America and Australia and, so, you know, all everywhere, Canada, everywhere where uh, Northern Europeans inhabited, we abolished slavery. And uh, And so that made sense. That was all based on Christian teachings. That all made sense to me. Of course, of course it makes sense. But now the left has said, okay, so this idea of not of loving your enemy, it has now kind of been distorted into this idea of, okay, these are values for white people, and not only do they have to love their enemy, they have to prefer their enemy, right? And it's not, and of course, it's not enemy, it's other, it's other people that are not necessarily the enemy anymore, I don't think. I don't think most white people consider black people the enemy. I, now, I could reverse that and say, I don't think black people, most black people think white people are the enemy, but I'm not sure that's true. I actually think a lot of black people think white people are the enemy. Um, and so this particular ethic doesn't apply to everyone. It only applies to white, you know, Americans with European 
uh, descent and and Europeans as well. And we have to not only embrace the other, but we have to prefer the other. So the other, we have to take a knee and we have to bow to the other and the other is now more important than us. We, we have to give up our own happiness and our own uh, welfare for that of the other now. That is now the new ethic on the left. So there's this bizarre distortion of Christian values on the left that's, and it's almost like Christian values have been used as a weapon to target white people, to target Christians, to target men. Um, and so, yeah, so you do have, so the left is derived to some degree from Christian values, but it's been distorted horribly, right? And I think a lot of Christians believe that there is, there is a tendency for Satan, the devil, evil, whatever you want to call it, if you're an atheist, maybe just call it like a tendency of um, of people's, uh, you know, selfish desires or whatever you want to say, um, to, to distort Christian values in nefarious ways, right? There, there is this kind of fear with Christians, especially, well, not, I mean, it's not like a fear, like we're always afraid of it, but you know what I mean? Like, there's a concern among Christians that Christian ideas can be distorted for the purposes of bad people. Right, a bad person can, and and it's and that is kind of like the worst kind of evil, when you when it's like a priest who does. That's why the obviously the the Catholic scandals were so horrible because these are people that are considered to be uh, the best people in society, right? People that we're all supposed to trust. Priests, you're supposed to trust a priest, or supposed to be able to trust a priest. So if a priest does something criminal, or or a priest victimizes somebody, that's the worst kind of person, right? Because they're actually using um, Christianity to uh, either to hide from um, to hide what they're doing, to hide the bad things they're doing, or even to facilitate the bad things that they're doing. They're distorting Christian values to to justify the the bad things that they're doing, which that's the worst kind of evil uh, to most Christians, I think. Um, all right, well, that was a long tangent <laughs> for real. Um, but uh, but this is about uh, Joe Biden ignoring God uh, on National Prayer Day. Um, let me go ahead and read a little bit more here from the, the story so we can get back into, so we can bring it back to this story. Uh, Biden's remarks did quote the late Georgia Democrat Representative John Lewis's words, nothing can stop the power of a committed and determined people to make a difference in our society. Why? Because human beings are the most dynamic link to the divine on this planet, uh, Biden wrote, quoting Lewis. Uh in May 2020, the then president, uh, sorry, then president Donald Trump released a statement for National Prayer Day of Prayer. Trump mentioned God 11 times. Trump noted in his proclamation, "As one nation under God, we share a legacy." Um, I'm, I'm not sure I care about that. I'm not sure I care about that. I'm not sure that should have been included in this because I'm not sure uh, how devoted a Christian that Donald Trump was. That's probably the most. That's probably the thing that I was the most critical of him for. But at the end of the day. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Trump is probably effectively uh, an atheist, if not an agnostic. I've, I've never really heard him sincerely talking about Christianity. He said something about the little wine and the little bread or something like that. That was like super patronizing. So I, I don't think of Trump as a Christian. I don't know if you guys do, but uh, I certainly don't. And uh, that's not something that I ever really cared about. Um, if he could run the country well, it didn't matter to me that he was necessarily Christian. The reason why it's important to me that, that presidents are Christian is because I want them to be guided um, to do the right thing 
in in every instance. And I think Christianity will help somebody to do that. Uh, but in the case of Donald Trump, I think he was doing the right thing almost, if not all the time, almost all the time, uh, and regardless of his Christian values. Now, there were th some things that I disagreed with that Donald Trump did. I didn't try to criticize him too much when he was president because, you know, the Democrats were doing that already <laughs> quite a lot. Um, but the things that I would have criticized him for were obviously different than what the Democrats would have criticized him for. But I, I do think the lack of Christianity um, with with Donald Trump was a was a detriment to some degree. I, I, I do think that he would have governed a little bit differently, probably better, certainly better, if he if he were a Christian or if he were a devout Christian. I don't think that he is. You guys may disagree with that. If you do, write your comments down. Wait for the end of the show. I will read them. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next story. Oh, this is a good one, guys. Actually, this is my favorite story of the day. I should have put this at the end, but there's a really important story at the end, so I left that. that. But uh, this crazy story. Okay, school district tells principals to create fake curriculum to send to parents after complaints of indoctrination. This is, I mean, seriously, folks, this is unbelievable. Uh, oops, let me switch to my view view here. Okay, there we go. Um, all right, so this is this is crazy. So this, well, let me just read the story because they 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 do a pretty good job here. This is Daily Wire. Um, faced with complaints from parents about the indoctrination of children, an official in Rockwell School District, Missouri, instructed teachers to create two sets of curriculum: a false one to share with parents, uh, and the and the okay, sorry, I'm, I was just thinking about the plural of curriculum, which I think is curricula. So I'm not sure which is right there. Anyway, I probably shouldn't be thinking about that. I should just read the story, right? <laughs> a false one to share with parents, and then a real set of curriculum. It should be set of curricula, right? Isn't that right? Or maybe it's one curricula and multiple curriculum. It's one medium and multiple media, right? So yeah, so it should be a set of curriculum. I don't know, whatever. Uh, focused on the topics like activism and privilege, according to a memo obtained by the Daily Wire. Natalie Follert, uh, literary speech coordinator, wrote to all middle and high school principals. Yeah, so this is where it gets crazy. Um, that parents had repeatedly complained that we are pushing an agenda. We are pushing critical race theory. I had to look that one up. Yeah, no, I'm sure you've never heard of critical race theory. Jeez, are you even paying attention, Natalie? We are making white kids feel bad about their privilege. We are stereotyping. We are... Okay. No, you're not making feel white kids feel bad about their privilege. You're making white kids feel bad about privilege that they don't actually have that you're telling them that they have, you stupid woman. Uh, we are stereotyping. We're teaching kids to be social activists, and we are teaching kids to be democratic thinkers and activists. No, no. You're not teaching them to be thinkers. You're teaching them to be drones and activists. See, this is the problem with people like this. Actually, they did a study. I want to do a report on this. Now, I'm going to write that down. Um, oh, I did write it down. I did write it down. Hold on a second. I'm going to read this to you. Um, so, my notes of new stories. Um, there is a researcher. His name is Jonathan Haidt. Fantastic guy. Uh, not a conservative. Not a Christian, as far as I'm aware. But friends with Jordan Peterson. And he's actually done research himself, which showed that that Democrats uh, actually can't empathize with 
conservatives, but conservatives can totally empathize with Democrats. So what he did is he had um, he had both conservatives and and leftists fill out a questionnaire and either fill it out as uh, if they were a Democrat, fill it out as a Democrat, or if they're a Democrat, fill it out as if they're a conservative. So they would imagine what a conservative would put down as answers, and they would write it as a conservative. Um, and then if they were a conservative, they did the same thing, right? If you were a conservative, they'd say, fill this out as a conservative, or they'd say, fill this out as if you're a Democrat. You know, fill it out in the way you think a Democrat would fill it out. And what he found was, and, and I'm going to have to research this because I think it's in his book. Oh, I didn't, I didn't zip up my shirt to give me the awesome spy look, which I always look for. Uh, you may wonder why I dress like this every day for the show. It's because I don't have enough black dress shirts and I'm trying to hide the fact that I'm fat. Yes, you can click that off on your stupid bingo charts, people. Um, <laughs> I have gotten fat in recent years and I do want to uh, look decent for camera. Um, although I am going to go on a pretty strict diet here soon, so I should slim down nicely. It's you know I have to I have to do them in like intense spurts. I can't just I can't just diet like kind of forever. I have to either like go full on or or full off. Uh, you know, just forget about it. Um, but yeah. Anyway, anyway, we'll we'll get it worked out. We'll get it worked out. We'll get my uh, we'll get me looking fit and trim here pretty soon. Uh, but anyway, so Jonathan Jonathan Haidt did this. Uh, Jonathan Haidt, Jonathan Haidt. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Anyway, he did this. Uh, he did this study, and uh, yeah. So what what he ended up finding was that leftists could not accurately answer for conservatives but conservatives could accurately oh valeria bought me food she's going to be home in 25 minutes fantastic fantastic see you soon darling um conservatives could answer accurately for democrats so and these somebody so somebody wrote me about this the other day and i didn't but they were talking about empathy, right, and how Democrats can't empathize. I'm not sure that's 100% true. I'm not sure that it's Democrats can't empathize. I think it's specifically that Democrats cannot empathize with conservatives. And I think the reason for that is that Democrats, well, two reasons. One, Democrats have been indoctrinated into this ridiculous idea that the conservatives are like literally evil and we and we're all racist and we're all horrible. But also that Democrats are fed a steady stream of misinformation right they are fed lies about conservatives constantly so that so what they believe conservative positions are are not conservative positions they're they're these those are my headphones i don't like weird little things distracting on the screen um yeah so the point i'm trying to make here is that we the so the the flip side to that is that conservatives we actually understand how leftists think. And the reason for that, I think, is, is twofold. One, we're constantly inundated with Democrat ideas, right? It's, it's in our movies, it's on our TV shows, it's, it's in our schools, it's everywhere. So we're constantly hearing Democrat ideas. The Republican position, to some degree, right, is a formulation of philosophical ideas based on our principles uh, and also to some degree positioned against bad ideas that are popular, popular bad ideas. So if you have a set of ideas that are very good, 
you, you have two, you, you then have two um, directions to take. The first direction is to try to build a society based around those principles and enact policies that will um, improve quality of life based on your fundamental perceptions of reality and the principles that you have. However, the other way, the other direction you have to go sometimes is if you have another group who has a totally other set of perceptions of reality that are maybe false, in this case, I think false, Democrats, um, and who are trying to actively attack your ideas and destroy your policies and block you from, from your aims, right? So then you have to position a lot of policies and position a lot of your philosophical ideas, not just in a positive direction to promote these ideas and, and improve society, but also to defend against these bad ideas and these people that are trying to destroy you and these people who are trying to destroy society, essentially. And many Democrats are trying to destroy society, I think, intentionally, but I think a lot of Democrats are obviously not trying to destroy the society, but that's the inevitable result of what they're doing. So they're sort of unintentionally destroying society. But let's get back to it. So, and... So I'm not sure what, you know, I, I suspect that these teachers are well-intentioned. I think that they, that they genuinely believe that teaching social justice and woke critical race theory BS is actually beneficial to society. And I think that they're completely unaware of the reality that they're actually destroying these kids' minds. Um, but the, the parents are, are very aware that these people are destroying their kids' minds. And they're obviously very unhappy about this. So... Um, Let's go ahead and read a little bit more here. Uh, the problem was that for the first time, parents could see what teachers were telling their children thanks to virtual learning, where assignments were visible for at-home learners in a tool called Canvas, right? So all the all the lessons went on this server, I guess, called Canvas, and kids would take their um, take their uh, work from this from this server. Uh, so this woman, Natalie Follert, uh, her solution was as follows. This is the letter that she wrote. Uh, this doesn't mean throw out the lesson and find a new one. Just pull the resources off Canvas so parents can't see it. Keep teaching. Just don't make everything visible on Canvas. This is not being deceitful. You're not deceiving anybody. This is just doing what you've done for years. Prior to the pandemic, you didn't send everything home or have it available. You taught in your classroom, and things were peachy keen. And we're going old school. So her idea is because parents were ignorant of the bullshit that they were teaching their these teachers were teaching their kids before this then there's no reason why parents should be privy to the crap they're teaching kids now that just because there's a pandemic listen lady just because you were going to get away with this crap before that doesn't mean it's okay to go ahead and hide it from parents now you were doing something wrong before you were teaching kids things that the parents didn't want taught to their kids the parents just didn't know about it. Now they're aware of it, and you're like, oh, the problem isn't that we're teaching kids stuff the parents don't want taught to their kids. The problem is that the parents are aware of it. So let's just hide it from the parents. What this is, I mean, not only should this, I mean, I, this should be a crime, right? Not only should this woman lose her job and never be allowed in, the, in, in teaching anywhere in the world ever again, but I think people like this need to go to prison. This is unbelievably horrible to teach kids something that the parents think is, actually evil 
and and just like not tell the parents about it. okay ter- pa- parents are teaching their kids something we don't like we want to teach them this other thing that the parents think are evil well let's just not let the parents know about it i mean th- this is the most irresponsible horrible thing i could possibly imagine anybody in the teaching field ever doing i i mean i i i don't have any kids but i have a lot of nieces and i have one nephew which is kind of annoying you want there to be balance right you want there to be like an equal number of boys and girls but I've got a lot of nieces. Not that I don't love my nieces. They're fantastic. Let's see here. You could duplicate any... This is this is where it gets crazy. You could duplicate any uh, an entry slash lesson in Canvas making two copies. You publish one for the whole class. That's a lean version of the le- lesson. That is, it doesn't have all the SJW woke crap in it. But then their, their original that has all the stuff on it can be published and only assigned to specific students if needed or could specifically be emailed to students, uh, you know, email students a copy of what they need. So you put on Canvas the fake lesson, and then you email students privately the real lesson so the parents don't see it, right? So the, if the parents are looking through Canvas, they'll see the fake lessons, but then you email the kids secretly the SJW woke lessons. Um, the reason I say make a copy, you can publish uh, the new one. Okay. The reason I say make a copy... Uh, I think she's missing some grammar here. You can publish the new one that has less information on it. Then for that kid who's all virtual and needs a full lesson, you can publish it and assign it only that kid. How is this woman in education when she cannot, clearly cannot write? There should be a period here, or maybe there's, this is not supposed to count. I'm not exactly sure what she's getting wrong here, but this is all messed up. Let's see here. And assign it only that kid to only that kid? My God. I mean, honestly, let, let me look this woman up. Who, who are you, Net? What does a moron look like? That's what I'm curious about. Let's see here. Images. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think any of these people are her. Is this her? Are you the moron? No, it doesn't look like this is her. I don't know. I can't tell. Maybe is this her? Maybe that's her. Now, this is from some gospel choir. I can't tell. I can't tell who this is. I mean, there's obviously stories about the story, but anyway, whoever this woman is, I can't find her with a quick Google search or Bing. I'm using Bing. But uh, whatever she looks like, whoever she is, she is clearly a moron. I always like to know what morons look like. If I'm driving and somebody does something really stupid, I always like to kind of get in front of them and have a look to see how, what stupid really looks like. Um, okay, okay. Let's see here. Anything that could be picked apart, I would suggest using this, the above approach, i.e. anything that has woke stuff in it. Um, again, I wouldn't throw it out, but you could just not give them access to the story. What a bitch. When you get into power imbalances, you might remove the two examples and just go over them in, in class, same as above. No, no, you don't teach about power imbalances because that is critical race theory. That is gender studies. That is all the communist garbage that we're talking about. The this this what do you call it? Uh, uh, Neo Marxist. Well, it's not neo Marxism. What is it? What is it? It's um, 
yeah. Anyway, whatever. It's it's this it's this critical race theory crap and 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 feminism and and yeah. It's it's stuff we don't want to talk to the kids anyway. Uh, power imbalance is power imbalance. Come on, give me a break. Um, I hate that we're even having to have this conversation 29 days and counting. No, you don't have to have that conversation. You don't have to have that conversation. Here's the conversation you have. Stop teaching kids this racist gender studies garbage. The power imbalances thing is total garbage. It's That's not real stuff, right? It's just made up gobbledygook crap. Um, all right, let me keep reading here. She re referred to a cell of parents and claimed that they didn't know the difference between a small D Democrat country and the Democratic Party. I hate it when stupid people point to perfectly intelligent people and talk about how stupid those people are. It's all—it's always really cringy to me because I always just think, "Oh, you, you idiot!" You know, I was listening to a Bill Nye video the other day, and he kept saying, um, "Look." I get it. You guys think this and that. And every time he said that, he was wrong. He was totally wrong. <laughs> he was talking about what conservatives think, right? It was like a pro-abortion video. And he was like, I get it. Conservatives think this. I'm like, I, I literally talk about conservative politics for a living. I've never heard a conservative say the things that he was saying. I get it. I get why you, why you think this. I'm like, no, you don't get it. You don't get anything, Bill Nye. You've got a bachelor's degree in engineering and you think you're a scientist, and you don't get, you literally get nothing that conservatives think. And it goes back to this study by uh, Jonathan Haidt, who is, who's saying, you know, the study shows that uh, Republicans understand what Democrats are, are thinking. Democrats do not understand what conservatives are thinking. They're just, they're very, um, I think part of the problem is they're very, uh, what's the word? They're, they're very arrogant. It's not really just the, they're they're sort of um, they've got a sort of unfounded confidence in their own intelligence and their own understanding, right? They're very ignorant of conservative ideas, but they think they're very knowledgeable, right? You've got this problem where somebody who knows maybe a little bit about conservative ideas think they know a lot. Uh, it's a phenomenon which uh, I think there's actually a name for this phenomenon where people who know a little bit about stuff think they know a ton about it, uh, but they don't. And uh, this this happens with politics. Democrat Republicans do truly know a lot about what Democrats think because a lot of our policies are sort of um, you know based around it. And again, like I like I said, we we have we're completely inundated with Democrat ideas all the time. But uh, but Democrats just don't just don't hear conservative ideas ever. They never hear it. Uh, it's not provided to them on CNN, it's not provided to them through the New York Times, through MSNBC, anything like this, any of their usual news outlets. So they just never hear what our positions actually are. Um, whenever I do hear a conservative on a, on a leftist network, they're usually incompetent, they can't speak, they don't know what they're saying. Right? None of the su superstars on the, on the conservative side are ever invited to speak on Democrat platforms, because there was an idea a little while back that um, that was dangerous. Right? To, to, if we are giving conservatives a platform um, then we're we're being too nice to them, right? We're we're doing them some kind of a service uh, by allowing their message to be heard by Democrats. But you're only doing us a service. You're only doing something dangerous if, in fact, your side is buying into our arguments, and that's probably not going to happen unless we're, our arguments are better than yours, right? So I think this all kind of boiled down to the fact that they realized that conservative ideas are just better, and we are going to red pill a lot of people 
as people start to hear conservative ideas. By the way, I heard Red Pill the other day described as turning somebody... F- this is one of the Q videos that I, I did. I did this video on, on Blue Anon, which you should watch. And by the way, the last video I posted got the fewest views of any video I've posted in years. I don't know what the hell's going on with YouTube, but anyway. But I did this video on Blue Anon, which I think is the counterpoint to QAnon, which is this idea that Democrats are all conspiracy theorists. And I was watching a video about this, and it was a British British show, and they were trying to explain the QAnon phenomenon. And they said that when QAnon is able to convert a non-believer in Q to, you know, to believing in the Q stuff, they call that red pilling. And to me, this was a this was a very uh, this is a very misleading thing to tell the viewers of that video, because conservatives generally uh, say that if a if a leftist becomes a conservative, that's being red pilled, right? So if you tell the leftists that being red pilled is specifically becoming a, a supporter of Q or believer in Q, well, then anytime the a conservative says, "Oh, this person got red pilled," the left is going to think, "Oh." Now they believe in the Q stuff, but that's not true. Like, and the video didn't provide that context at all. I mean, maybe people who who believe in the Q stuff do call it red pilling when somebody starts to believe in Q stuff, but that's also what conservatives say when when a leftist becomes a conservative. So, I, I mean, the kind of disinformation that you see coming from the left is pretty unbelievable. I mean, it's pretty much everything I hear on leftist media is a lie or is something that is is a mistake or is a misapprehension of reality or is something uh it's just not true almost it's almost all not true and a lot of it's intentional and a lot of it's just because they don't know what conservatives think okay moving on uh in addition to serving as a school administrator in rockwell in 2018 Fowler was elected the school board of a nearby school district jefferson r7 illustrating the way in which the app in which apathetic voters often elect those um whose interests are with teachers rather than parents in little scrutinized school board races. Um, there is actually a response to this I'd like to play before I move on to the last story, which I think is a very important story. But let's go ahead and play this video. I'm going to go ahead and put the audio on. And you got the video, so I'm not screwing this up. <laughs> okay, hold on. this email that was sent out. This is from the literacy speech coordinator in the district, sent it out to the middle school and high school principals. And it says, this doesn't mean throw out the lesson and find a new one. Just pull the resource off canvas so parents cannot see it. Keep teaching. Just don't make everything visible on canvas. This is not being deceitful. This is just doing what you have done for years. Prior to the pandemic, you didn't see everything at home or have it available. You taught in your classroom and things were peachy keen. We are going old school. So basically, they're saying they're two sets of curriculum. How do you feel about that? Yes. Well, obviously pretty upset. This was our first year in public school. We had made the switch from private because we thought that was better for him for high school. And uh, we just weren't used to that. In in private school, there's a a tremendous amount of accountability between the school and and parents. And we were very surprised at this. Um, 
And the whole thing started in, in the email. They mentioned that parents are upset about the book, Dear Martin. That was one of the books that parents had problems with. That was the book that my child had in language arts. And when I had a chance to really go through the book, because I knew it was in their cultural identity unit in language arts, and that kind of set off some, some bells for me because why are you doing that? That belongs in a college anthropology course to me. Um, so I started looking through the book and I was shocked at what I saw. Apparently it was approved by the district and it's a YA, young adult, 13 plus book. No one has a right to read stuff like that to anyone's child, minor child, without their parents' permission. Um, it's full of foul language. The racial stereotypes, I think, are done for a reason. They're offensive, but I think that the author had a, had a reason for doing that, and I understand that. There's cop hate, um, and there are several students in my son's class that are law enforcement family, and we are a law enforcement family. Um, alcohol use, um, just girls talked about like they're just simply pieces of meat wow. um, and the foul language. Now, my son's teacher did a fantastic job of presenting this difficult book, I think, very gracefully and very respectfully. And I in no way want to impugn the teachers okay. uh, that we've encountered at Rockwood School District. They have been just fantastic, more than we imagined they'd be for my son for his first time in public school and mainstreaming his special ed needs. It's been fantastic. Okay. But that book is inappropriate for children. Well, hopefully they'll and listen to you teenagers. and um, they will prevent two sets of curriculum and uh, just stay on the straight and narrow. Thank you so much for being on with us. I wish you all the best. That's actually great. I'm actually um, kind of impressed with, uh, I, I hadn't actually watched that before uh, we, we, you know, I, I did the live stream. Uh, and I could say that uh, I'm pleasantly surprised by that. It's always nice to hear about private schools that are doing a good job, uh, or sorry, pr private schools, public schools that are doing a good job. So this woman is very happy with her public school. She took her kid out of private school and put them into public school. That's a huge risk, guys. Uh, I went to public school my whole life. I, I never went to a private school. Uh, and I would say this, I if I had kids, I will never send them to public school anywhere. I don't know... Um, it's too much of a risk. Now, I know there are some good public schools. She's obviously got a good public school. You may be watching the show and think, my kid's got a great public school. That's fantastic. Uh, if you can find a great public school, I say that's amazing. But um, where I'm from in Oregon, my, my, uh, my sister and my brother will not uh, send their kids to public school there because it is just left leftist indoctrination. So they, those kids have to go to private school now. Um, and, you know, they have to spend a lot of money on that. But it's worth it because, I mean, if you can afford it, it's worth it because you, you, ha you know, having your kids grow up being indoctrinated into this Black Lives Matter leftist woke BS, um, I guess that's the worst thing you could do for your kids. I mean, it's, it's terrible. If you're in a, an area in which the public school is good and not necessarily falling into that, uh, you know, that tendency, which a lot of the public schools are, uh, then that's great. You know, obviously this woman's woman believes that her, that the teacher that's teaching her child is a good teacher. And that's great. If she's happy with her public school, I think that's fantastic. And it's heartening to know that there are some public schools still out there that are decent. Um, but we do need to move to a privatized system so that we, we don't have this problem where you have this disease that infects all public schools like, uh, you know, critical race theory and these other BS, uh, things. All right, let's move on to the next story, shall we? The last story, I think probably the most important story of the day. 
Oh, let me grab that. Okay, so this one is called Biden DOJ moves to stop Arizona audit. Yeah, so the Arizona audit. We've talked before about how terrified Democrats seem to be about this Arizona audit. Now, Joe Biden's DOJ is getting involved. So, Biden DOJ to interfere with state of Arizona forensic audit of Maricopa County ballots. Um, and then there's a DOJ letter here. Um, the same organization that manufactured and ran the Russian collusion hoax allowed uh, and allowed for the 2020 election fraud is going to interfere with the Arizona ballot. This is according to Gateway Pundit. Uh, Arizona ABC 15, this is a local news station, says uh, source at the county says DOJ is going to get involved in some capacity in the Arizona audit. Um, let's see. And they actually they actually have a uh, letter here. Um, and I read this letter. And essentially, there there's two there's two issues with the uh, Arizona audit as far as uh, I've been able to tell from this letter. And the DOJ is saying that the um, that the Arizona politicians, the Arizona officials, they're not allowed to let these ballots out of their own supervision, right? So they have to supervise the audit. It has to be ultimately under their watch. Now, I don't know if they are indeed violating any kind of rules the Department of Justice thinks they're violating. I don't know. You know, maybe there's some kind of technical violation there. Um, but let's be honest. that That's not really why they're going after them. They don't really fear that these ballots are somehow being abused or you know, lost or, or some, something, something negative is happening to them. They're, they're really going after this because they're worried that they're going to find something, I think. So, uh, you know, they're, they're doing everything they can to go after them. The other reason is because they say that, um, part of the, part of the audit is going door to door and just seeing if the voters who have signed, um, have signed ballots and written their addresses on them actually live at the addresses they say they live at, right? Um, which I think is totally reasonable, right? Uh, but they're saying, oh, this could lead to voter intimidation. Which I don't understand that at all. So what do they think? These people are going, going all right, do you live at this address? Okay, now vote for Trump or else. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously that's not happening, but that's what they're claiming they think is happening. This is obviously a BS excuse. They, so, you know, we talked on the show about, uh, well, I actually made a video which if you haven't seen it, you should see it, about Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow lost her mind. Um, we've also seen, who's that black chick on MSNBC that, that is like a total psycho that always is saying like basically communist things? I can't, Joy, Joy Reid, Joy Reid. So Joy Reid also went off and was like, oh, this Arizona audit is terrible, it's terrible. And there's just, there's been tons of people now that have come out on the left and said, this Arizona audit is so bad. It's so, it's so evil. Like, like this is, this is going to ruin democracy. It's going to ruin democracy. Never mind the fact that it's being live streamed. Never mind the fact that, uh, that what, what an audit is, is trying to determine whether or not democracy has been subverted, whether democracy has been destroyed in some way. You know, they're trying to repair that, trying to fix that, trying to make sure that there's no uh, actual issue with our democracy being circumvented here. Um, but they're like, no, it's the audit itself that's going to that's gonna actually mess up democracy. No, no, it isn't. The audit is going to ensure democracy, 
you stupid idiots. <laughs> That's what we're do trying to do. That's what we're trying to fix, okay? So you can just back off. Everything's fine. But uh, I made the point in my Machel Radow video, and if, and if you've seen the video, you know why I said that. Um, I make the point in that video that, uh, well, I call the story that I tell in that video, the lady doth protest too much, right? And the concept be behind the lady doth protest too much is this idea that um, if somebody starts screaming, I didn't do anything, I didn't do anything, I didn't do anything, it makes you wonder, like, what did you do? <laughs> you know, like if somebody's screaming, there's nothing to see here, everything's fine. It's an indication that, in fact, something is horribly wrong, right? Don't, like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, right? Uh, this idea that uh, without without really much of a reason, you're trying to defend yourself, you know, even before you've been accused. So the Democrats, although we've accused them, certainly, of fraud in the election, um, there's been no specific case drawn from this audit yet to, to, to criticize you know, anyone or to say that there was anything fraudulent going on because the audit isn't done yet. We haven't seen the results of it. Who knows? It may end up showing that the election was perfectly fair in Maricopa County. That's possible. Um, I don't think it will happen, but that's possible. But the, but, the, um, but the left has already started to lose their minds, screaming and yelling that, you know, whatever fraud you find, it's not real, it's fake, it's, it's, it's you know, this is, this is, this is totally, uh, everything was legit, you know, why are you criticizing us? And it's like, we're not criticizing you. We haven't said anything yet. And relax. And so what they're doing is they're actually indicating that they, that they either believe or they know that some kind of fraud has been committed. Because you don't freak out and start screaming that these people are lying, we didn't commit fraud, before anybody has accused you of fraud. Okay? So, so everyone on the left is now indicating that, yes, fraud will be found or that something bad happened, Right? Um, and now Biden's DOJ is jumping in, which is just one more layer uh, of that. Uh, and so I think everybody basically on the right is now perfectly convinced, if we weren't already, that, uh, yeah, indeed, they're hiding something and we need to figure out what this is. Um, one thing that Rachel Maddow said that was particularly funny was that um, she said that, uh, you know what's going to happen is if... Is, is, is they're going to find something wrong with this election, and that's going to inspire all kinds of other audits all over the country, and, you know, it's just going to destroy democracy. It's like, okay, lady, if they find something wrong in the Maricopa election, that means that, and, 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 it, and it indicates that there was fraud nationwide, that means that we need audits nationwide to uncover what that fraud was and fix whatever the problem is so that we have free and fair elections, you stupid woman. Or whatever the hell you are. Look, I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat or a Green Party candidate or, or supporter or whatever the hell you are. It doesn't matter. You should want a free and fair election. Nobody should want tyranny. Okay, I don't want tyranny on the conservative side. Because even if you have a, a rigged election for conservatives... What that will inevitably do is get bad people into office. It'll get bad people into office. It'll put bad people in control of the rigged system. It'll, it'll, because there are bad people in the world. They don't, they, don't, they don't care if they call themselves a Democrat. They don't care if they call themselves a Republican. They don't call, care if they call themselves Green Party. They don't care what they call themselves. If they see a way to cheat the system and get away with it, 
they're going to get into that position where they control it, right? So eventually, any rigged system is eventually going to be controlled by fascists, by di dictatorial types, by criminals, by bad people, i.e. Nancy Pelosi, right? These are the kind of people that want to control a rigged system. The people that want to participate in a fair system, some of them are going to be bad, some of them are going to be good. But at least you get some good people in a fair system. In a rigged system, you will be controlled by bad people. So if you're a Democrat, you should desperately want to get to, to the bottom of this if there is any fraud. And I would certainly, if it were the Republicans that won and we believe that the system was rigged, I would want to get to the bottom of that as well. Okay, end of show. Let's take your questions and comments. Do you guys have anything to say about any of this? I want to know. No price, but XXXXX. That's very funny. I like that a lot. Uh, uh, Salty Cracker Reloaded wrote, re Rachel Maddow, re oh, Mad Cow. A lot of people were saying Rachel Mad Cow. Does that come from another YouTuber? Because I find that offensive. <laughs> don't use the terms. You don't use hilarious names for leftists that I didn't make up. Uh, no, that's fine. I, I like Rachel Mad Cow. I think that's quite funny. Um, I don't know who made that up, though. I assume it must be somebody. I don't know. I don't know who would have made it up. Um, I was going to try to come up with that um, term. I don't know. I can't, I can't think of it. Uh, what the leftists, the term that, that we use for the leftist craziness. All right, I don't see... Oh, we did have super chats. We did have super chats. Okay, Rightful King of the Poll says, the Democrats have their own version of the QAnon stuff, uh, the Franklin Bank scandal, but the media never shamed them for it. Turnabout is fair play. Uh, Franklin Bank scandal. I'm going to go ahead and look that up. Copy, paste. Boom. All right. I will I will watch. I will read up on uh, on that stuff. Thank you for, for posting that. Uh, hold on. I got to... Oh, shoot. I got to go to this. Got a new video coming out tomorrow morning. Should be quite good. But the video that came out tomorrow this morning, you guys got to watch that video. I, I don't know what the hell happened. It got like 8,000 views. That's like, I usually get 20,000 by now. And that's even with the restrictions I already have. So I don't know what happened. All right, let me, let me, sorry. Let me go try to catch all these super chats. Oh, Tom Christopoulos, who isn't who I thought he was. I thought you were somebody else. I get, I get some of the fans confused sometimes because some of you guys have similar names. Uh, my Christian beliefs make me do the right thing when no one is looking. Good show tonight, Chris. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's an excellent point. That's actually a really excellent point. Uh, uh. I've often said that an atheist who does the right thing when he can get away with the wrong thing is an idiot, right? Because if you have no moral guidance and the only reason you do good things is so you're perceived as a good person and working well within society, then you have no real motivation to do the right thing when nobody's looking. And that, that's, how, that's how you can advance very easily, by cheating. Uh, you know, by doing the wrong thing, by acts of criminality, if you think you can get away with it. And um, so that to me is the sort of, you know, atheist, it's an inevitable thing. If you're an atheist, you're inevitably going to do the wrong thing when you can get away with it. If you're a Christian, you won't. So I, I think that it's better if the entire world is Christian. All right, let's see here. Rightful King of the Poll says, we need vouchers. The, the Democrats spend more time with your children than you do, uh, only by opening our teachers, uh, sorry, only by choosing our teachers. Why did I say opening? That's a weird thing to say. That's obviously not what you wrote. Only by choosing our teachers can we make up for this. That's exactly right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I get so angry. 
Uh, all right, let's see here. All right, Daniel J. Corica says, Patriot Daniel saying hi. Well, hi, Daniel. We love hearing from you, man. Uh, let's see here. Somebody had a suggestion for a story, and I, I wasn't able to read up on it in time to, to, to do it today. But it's a good idea for a story. Uh, Grow Love Bear says, what's your opinion on the anti-Semitism bill passed in 2020 as it relates to the First Amendment? Was the, the anti-Semitism bill in 2020? I don't even know what that is. I didn't even know about that. I know that in 2020 there was some kind of problem with um, Ilhan Omar uh, uh, saying some anti-Semitic stuff. And I think she was censured or something like that by, by the House. Um, I don't remember exactly, but I don't remember a bill being passed that was about anti-Semitism. Well, I'll tell you what. I think that w when it comes to free speech and all this kind of stuff, I, I think all the hate crime stuff, um, I, I think anything related to being like something being a hate crime and all that, I, I think that's stupid, right? You should have a crime, you know, crimes that are about like hurting other people, right? If you like physically hurt somebody else, you know, that, that should be a crime, right? Assault or whatever. You shouldn't have, like, assault plus assault of a black guy, and then we assume you're a racist, and therefore you need to go to prison for longer. Um, because I don't think that those laws are applied uh, accurately or evenly, right? I don't think there's a lot of black people that are going to prison for hate crimes against white people, even though a lot of, like, you, you could make the argument that if a black person grows up in a household in which his mother constantly tells him that white people hate him and are after him, uh, and he breaks into 10 houses, and nine of them are black families, and he steals a lot of the stuff, but he doesn't hurt anybody, but he goes into the white person's house, steals all their stuff, and, like, murders them. Uh, you know, even if they didn't say anything racist or anything like that, you can still make the argument that, you know, this person committed a hate crime because he, he was raised with this idea that he hates white people. But if he didn't say anything like, I hate white people, when he was committing the crime, he didn't commit a hate crime. So it's like a weird thing where you... But but then if the, the white guy does the same thing, but he says the N-word while he's committing the crime, he gets done for this hate crime. So I think all the whole, the whole hate crime thing is such a stupid thing. It's like, what exactly was your intent when you were killing these people? Was it because of their race? Like, what does it matter? They're still dead. You still killed people. Like, I mean, obviously, if you're going to kill somebody, your motivation probably isn't very good. I mean, sometimes it's fine. You know, like, if somebody's, you know, if somebody's, like, sleeping with your wife, naturally, somebody's going to probably kill that person. But... <laughs> <laughs> but like uh that's nothing to do with like bigotry or i mean that uh, you know but most of the time if somebody's killing somebody because they hate them or because they're you know it's not it's, they're not well-intentioned so this idea of the hate crime compounding the crime and making it worse like you're an evil person but you're a particularly evil person because you're also a racist i mean that's just stupid like ra like racism Racism exists all over, I talk about this all the time, racism exists all over the world in just about every culture except for Northern European culture. It's the only culture that we've done away with racism, right? Um, all of us that are Northern European or descended from Northern Europeans or have accepted the culture of Americans, which was drawn out of Northern Europe, uh, we're the only people in the world that don't, we, that we, we don't like racism. We don't like it. Um, but to say that, like, let's say, like, a Guatemalan kills a Mexican in New York City, Right. Uh, or, or Puerto Rican or something like that, right? Do we then say, oh, well, Puerto Ricans don't really like Mexicans and therefore the Puerto Rican is guilty of a hate crime. It's just, I mean, what, is it, what does it make a difference? Like, what if he killed another Puerto Rican? Does that make it less of a, a crime because Puerto Ricans and Puerto Ricans don't hate each other so much? I mean, it's just stupid. So, yeah, the whole hate crime thing is stupid. 
laws against anti-Semitism are stupid. Like, you, you, you know, yeah, there's going to be people who irrationally hate other people in the world. That's, that's the way the world is. We should try to fight that through education, through talking about it, through politics, through rhetoric, not through uh, writing criminal legislation. That doesn't make any sense to me. Girl Love Bear writes, I was a bipartisan, it was a bipartisan bill and signed in Israel. I find it interesting when fellow conservatives fight against free speech. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I am, I'm a very uh, sort of, I'm, I'm almost libertarian with regard to free speech. Like, I'm very, very hardcore free speech. I mean, I am celebrating this Olympic thing where they're banning Black Lives Matter BS. But again, it's because of uh, this idea that Black Lives Matter tends to come in and overwhelm the conversation with their political views. And if we start making, uh, you know, something like the Olympics just a platform for political speech, then we block out the, the messaging of the Olympics, which I think is a problem. We don't want to eclipse language with other language. Uh, so, and, and so that's, that's one of the few times that I'm okay with banning speech, is if it eclipses other speech. If it stops you speaking, or if it silences somebody else, then, then the speech can maybe be regulated a little bit. Um, but that's as far as I'll go. Uh, and, and, and the only reason that I'm for that is because I want to facilitate speech. I want more speech. I want more people to have a voice and not fewer. Uh, okay, okay. Let's see here. Big, Bigfoot the Chipmunk writes, that's like saying kids are going to have knife fights, so don't shoot them. I, I don't know about what you're referring. Um, let's see here. Daniel J. Corker writes, if everything is racist, then nothing is racist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Frank James writes, can you imagine if somebody got up in front of the world uh, at the Olympics to complain about how bad life is in the United States? They'd embarrass themselves. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the, the, the runners from Kenya are just like, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> I can't do a Kenyan accent, but yeah, It'd be something like that. Um, darling, do you want to say hi? You, you, you don't have to come on camera. You can just talk into that microphone there. Ah, okay. She's she's uh, she's indisposed, let's say. All right, so she's not going to say hi uh, uh, because she's indisposed. So instead, I'm going to say bye. Is that cool? We're, we're going to see you guys tomorrow. Hopefully, be, there will be some new, interesting news stories. Oh, no, Daniel just jumped in with a, with a super chat at the last second. Rich, what setup do you use to edit and live broadcast videos to YouTube? I'm looking to expand my channel. Thanks. Uh, uh, thanks, Free the Kitty. Daniel, so for the, my live broadcast, I use something called OBS. Oh, you're, you're, you're no longer indisposed. You want to say hi on the mic there? Oh, you want to come in here? All right. Hey, everybody. Here's the beautiful wife. <laughs> you're not going to actually speak? You want to spit on you? You spit on me. Okay. Uh, hello and uh, good good night. Hello and good night. Right. Uh, let's see here. Girl Love Bear says, "Thank you for answering. Hope you check it out." A Miss Valeria tonight. Well, she just came and said hi. Um, so let's see here. Free the kitty. The kitty is free. We didn't we didn't lock him up today. Um, okay. So I use OBS. OBS is my is my is what I used to do the live broadcast. To edit my videos, I, I use the whole um, Premiere production suite, um, you know, uh, Adobe, Adobe Premiere, Adobe, uh, I use all Adobe. But if you want something that's free and excellent, you should use DaVinci Resolve. DaVinci Resolve is fantastic. Uh, it takes a little bit of learning, but you just watch some YouTube videos to get the hang of it pretty quickly. Um, so that's what I use. 
Uh, I also have a very good camera. I have a, a Sony. Well, it's not the, the best camera or anything, but it's a pretty good camera. It's called the Sony uh, Sony Alpha 7... So Sony a7 III, Sony a7 III, and then I have an incredibly expensive lens on the front of it. So, um, which, but you know, I still mess up a lot <laughs> technically because I'm just a bit of an idiot. Uh, and I have a lot of lights, uh, that I got pretty cheap off of Amazon. Um, and then what's the, what's it also these, one of the most important things is to have a good mic and set the settings correctly. I'm really bad at setting the settings correctly, like the gain and stuff. I mess up sometimes. So sometimes it'll be a little poppy or sometimes it'll be a little quiet or whatever. And I got to fix that. Um, but this is also a very, very expensive mic called an RE20. Valeria's Shure is a little bit better value. Um, and it's the one that everybody uses. Um, I'm sure you've seen that in previous videos. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I encourage everybody to start YouTube videos. I used to try to help video, people start YouTube videos, but what I found was that it's actually very, very difficult to do what I do in, in the sense that it's hard to explain. So some people are very watchable and some people are not watchable. And that's not to say that you're not a charismatic person in real life. Uh, there's a lot like I have a buddy who I tried to help start a YouTube channel and he couldn't do it. And the weird thing was I, th I still think he can do it, actually. But the weird thing was his personality on camera totally changed from his personality in real life. And, and that happens to a lot of people. Like, you put the camera on them, and then they, and they, they, they for whatever reason, they, they can't express the nuance of their personality on camera. Incredibly common. I see it in Hollywood all the time with people who are trying to be actors. Um, they get a camera on them, and then they can't act. It's weird. Um, but what is acting? Acting is just sort of expressing your natural behavior in front of a camera um you know and genuinely genuinely expressing yourself on camera so it's being genuine so when you see actors in hollywood sure they're saying things that a writer wrote for them but they're expressing these things in a way that they would off camera right in the same sort of way um and so they're acting naturally that's why it looks like they're, they're acting naturally so but a lot of people can't do that and i don't really understand that it's more something you're born with it, I don't think it makes you a good person or a bad person I don't think it, it's it's sort of like being good at basketball I don't think it should necessarily be praised as much as it is but we tend to glorify actors for, I mean I don't really get it but um, the one thing that is good about it is that if we're all sort of home by ourselves we don't want to go out and hang out with our friends you can kind of go online and hang out with somebody that you like who's acting naturally in a TV show or on YouTube or something like that, and you have an enjoyable time watching them. You're kind of hanging out with somebody despite the fact that you're not going anywhere. So to me, that is, uh, you know, th those are my two cents on starting a YouTube channel. So I've kind of stopped encouraging people to start YouTube channels because I've seen so many people fail at it. Um, it's very, very hard to do. If you can't be, like, very natural on camera, even if you have the best mic, even if you have the best... What I encourage people to do is get this mic called a Blue Yeti. It's a very cheap mic. It's like one, 120 bucks, but it's very nice quality. So if you have a good voice and you're natural on camera, um, you can, you can you know, if you've got a decent mic and you've got a decent camera, you can probably be a successful YouTuber. But um, yeah, anyway, I guess that's it. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, Daniel J. Corka says thanks again. So, um, all right, peace. Yeah, everybody already said goodbye because I said I was going to shut it off and then I didn't. <laughs> All right, well, my, my beautiful wife has brought food for me, so I am going to go. Love you guys. You guys are the best. I will see you tomorrow. Good night. Toxic masculinity.